Thanks for checking out the Generosity Labs podcast. Generosity and giving as it relates to the church is one of the biggest and most important conversations we can have across faith communities. That's why we're here. On the Generosity Labs podcast, hosted by Kenny Jang, we will talk to pastors, consultants, service providers, and other church leaders. We're going to discuss the current trends, models, and best practices for developing giving as a robust part of your community life and how you can get a culture of generosity to flourish from the inside out. Join us every week right here for the Generosity Labs podcast. Check out www.generositylabs.org for more details and fantastic free resources made available just for you and your church. Well, hey there, I'm Kenny Jang, and this is the Generosity Labs podcast, where we are interviewing church leaders across the country, innovating in the areas of generosity. Today, we're going to meet an executive pastor that has a fantastic story of how they are raising the roof in terms of giving and generosity for their community. Um, and I'm excited to get to it today. Well, we have Craig, who's the executive pastor of Highland Park Church in Florida, a great place to be. Um, and after a career in sales, Craig has had a history of helping startups innovate and get off the ground. Um, Craig joined the staff at Lakeland in 2015, married to wife Barb for over 36 years, three grown children, and we are glad to have him as a resource here. Welcome to the show today, Craig. Thanks, Kenny. It's good to be with you. So um, I gave a little bit of some background, but tell us a little bit about the Craig story and how you got into this ministry in particular. And why don't you give us a picture, a snapshot of what Highland Park is, looks like on a typical Sunday. Okay. Be happy to. Um, our lead pastor, Brett Rickey, uh, and I have been friends for about 15 years. He actually uh, planted a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma back in 2000. And shortly after he started that church, we started to attend because our daughters met in the fourth grade. And uh, so we got to be uh, family friends. Uh, Brett moved down here to Lakeland to be, become the lead pastor at Highland Park Church in 2009. And, um, and we kept in touch, you know, talking uh, college football or, you know, whatever our common interests were at the, uh, at the time. And uh, he called me up and said his executive pastor was retiring and he was looking for somebody to come and help him. And we've had a history of, of being in ministry together uh, as well as uh, being good friends. And so um, long story short, uh, we moved down here April of last year and joined him uh, and his staff. Highland Park Church uh, is, a, is a fairly large church in yes. the Lake area. We run about 2,300 in attendance on, on a given weekend. Uh, we have a Celebrate Recovery service on Friday night. We have a Saturday night service, and then we have three services on Sunday morning. And, uh, and our, our mission is to lead people to love God and to love others. And so uh, we're thrilled to be here and excited about what God has in store for Highland Park Church. It's a busy weekend for your teams in Lakeland, Friday, Saturday, Sunday services. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Um... You guys, uh, let, we're going to talk a little bit about the giving story at your church, uh, but you guys have already been ahead of the curve, I think, in that um, previous to adopting some of the new technologies recently, um, you already had online giving available for your people, right? That's correct. Uh, for a number of years, we've had giving kiosks in the lobbies, uh, in the lobby of our main sanctuary, and then also in our uh, family ministries building across the street. 
And uh, people were using that for a number of years where they would swipe their credit card and, uh, and give online or give online through our webpage. And, uh, and we probably saw 35 to 40% uh, of our giving come through the, those wow. portals. And so it wasn't anything really new uh, for people. However, uh, we started to encounter some issues with uh, that particular platform because it ran on Windows XP. And uh, so we had some security issues as well. So we were looking for a better solution. And one of the things we wanted to add was the ability for our, our members and our attendees to give by text. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the, I guess, typical age range of the people that attend on a Sunday? Well, it's a wide range. We have uh, a very uh, vibrant middle school and youth ministry. We have a kids ministry. We have a strong uh, millennial and and Gen X really uh, attendance. Um, and so you got so you got a wide spectrum of people, families. And then we, we have folks. I mean, we're a sixty-two year old congregation. We have people that still attend that were there at the very first service. Yeah. So um, it, it's incredible, though, that with that type of demographic, you're still getting thirty to forty percent of digital giving participation. Um, what do you do with those people that, do you have an offering plate that you hand out and you pass down the aisle or is it just a kiosk and uh, offering in the back? How does that work? We want to give uh, people uh, plenty of opportunities to give and not everybody wants to give online. So my wife, for example, she feels uh, better writing a check still. So uh, we pass a basket down the, down the aisle at every service. And so people have the opportunity to give that way as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you do pass that. Okay. You know, because there's a lot of churches that have, uh, you know, just a kiosk in the back or a place to drop a check, et cetera. Um, so sure. that's an active um, part of the liturgy on a Sunday morning. Um, and so what is, is there any um, sense of, if 30%, 50%, at what point do you stop passing the offering basket? Um, have you guys even thought about that? That's something that I had a, a recent conversation with another church pastor. They had about 70% of their giving um, is online at this point. And the question is, when does that become obsolete? Yeah. You know, I don't know that it ever does. Um, I mean, we were in startup churches where we'd have... Uh, bubblegum buckets at the, at the front on the stage and have people get up out of their chair and come and, and drop their offering in that bucket. And it, the bottom line is it, it's really not uh, a function of, of how you do it, but it's just that you do it. I mean, that is a, giving is an act of worship. Yep. And so we want people to feel comfortable giving in any way, shape, or form that they're, they're comfortable in doing. Nice. Now, what I love about the, uh, the story of your church is that you guys adopted text giving uh, recently. When, when did that happen? Uh, I think we started it in uh, January, February timeframe of this year. Okay. So you've had uh, a little bit of time now. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so when it first was introduced, was it a quiet rollout? Was it a big splashy rollout? Um, how did you notify people that that's an option? Well, we felt it was important um, because it was a new uh, way of giving. It was important for us not to just tell them, but actually show them how simple it was to set up text giving on their smartphone. Right. And so during, during the services one weekend, uh, we took five minutes during the announcement and the offering time, which incidentally we feel is just as important as worship or, yeah. or the sermon, because uh, if it's not, then we shouldn't be doing it. But it, it leads right. people so, to... Yeah. 
uh, an act of worship. And so we took five minutes and we had our tech team uh, set up a video to where I kind of walked through and had my smartphone in my hand and they could see on the screen while we were walking through how simple it was to, to set up initially uh, the ability to give by text. And we had people that pulled their phones out right there because they had them out anyway, whether they're using a digital version of the Bible or uh, tweeting during the, during the service or whatever. So uh, it's not a big deal in our church for people to have their phones out. And so they just followed along, and many people set it up right there as I was walking them through it. Yeah, um, I was talking to um, a seminary student recently, and he said that one of the things they're noticing when they're going out to preach and teach is that you need to uh, not be distracted by seeing the tops of people's head because they're bent down on their phones during... Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So great. So Thanksgiving, you guys rolled it out and you literally had um, you know intentional time during the announcement time. Um, what was the type? What what type of results did you see in terms of that? Was there um, any pushback? Was there you know positive results in terms of adoption? Um, do you have any you know? sense of the giving go up or down? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably within the first month we saw uh, an increase uh, in, the, in our digital giving, but more importantly we had about 10% increase in new givers. Wow. People that had never before given to Highland Park Church started to give uh, on a regular basis because uh, and, and using this new portal of text giving. Wow, so you are actually um creating a, a giving experience for the first time in people, which is, I, it's important, right? Because giving is part of that spiritual discipline. Absolutely. Um, so um, what service are you actually using to implement the actual text giving? We're, uh, we partnered with Kindred and um, we, uh, we found out about them because we, we look to other larger churches that are doing things that are maybe a little bit ahead of us. Uh, some of those examples would be Life Church. Uh, Craig Rochelle's church, uh, Saddleback Church, uh, Willow Creek. Uh, we we glean a lot of leadership and uh, just ideas on how to do ministry from from those that have are are a few steps ahead of us. And so that's how we found out about Kindred as we talked with them. There were other benefits. One is that it was a, a secure uh, platform as well as one that integrated with our church management software. So we're actually we saved time on in our finance department. Uh, we went from having to manually enter in all of those uh, digital uh, transactions to one that just exported or imported right into our church management which, system. Um, which church management system are you guys on? We use ACS. And so it's a f fully integrated. So if someone gives via text, um, that shows up in their giving profile in the back end. Exactly. Perfect. Absolutely. Uh, yep. That sounds great. And so um, is the church offering the only area that you guys are exploring to use this service or um, is there other ap applications for this in church life? Well, uh, people give for a variety of reasons. Uh, we're a very missions-oriented church too. We have a, a school in Rwanda and, uh, and we support many uh, uh, different ministries here locally as well as globally. And so people want to give to that and they do on a regular basis. And so. It's very simple for them to put in their amount and just put missions right next to their the amount and send the text, and it goes in uh, goes toward missions. Do the same thing if they want to send their kid to camp. Uh, you know, Kindred gives us the ability to to set up keywords that they can use uh, to give uh, to specific things. Oh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? So, well, there's keywords 
um, that you actually can define custom on a custom level? Absolutely. We have uh, we probably have eight or so right now. Uh, whether it's missions, whether it's Rwanda, uh, when they want to give specifically to that school, uh, HP Youth, which is what we use as, to designate our youth uh, ministry. If they want to give to camp, they can put youth camp. If they want to put kids, they can put kids camp. Uh, so they just use those key words along with the amount that they give, and it goes directly to that, and it doesn't count uh, toward our tithes and offerings. It, it counts towards uh, those particular ministries. Wow, that's interesting. And so how are you communicating those keywords? Uh, uh, what What's the typical scenario that those keywords are used or communicated? Well, if we uh, uh, every time we ask people to give to a specific uh, cause, um, we'll put up on the screen in the, in the service – uh, what that keyword is, and so we'll say if you want to give to uh, support missions, uh, you can use your get your text to give option and just use the keyword missions or whichever the keyword is. So yeah. as long as we communicate to that to them, then then uh, it's not a problem. Now, what are your thoughts are um, two years from now, five years from now? Um, do you think people still will be writing checks and using cash, or is it going to be? Um, do your credit cards swiping or is it stuff like this that's text giving? Uh, I really see this as, as kind of the, the way of the future. Um, again, you know, we've had kiosks for a long time and now we essentially have given everyone a kiosk in their pocket right. uh, so that they can give uh, via their smartphone. Um, I have three grown children. I asked them before we went to this, I said, if we had a text to give option, would you give to this yeah. church? And, oh, absolutely. We would use that that portal. So they don't carry cash. They don't carry, they, they don't even have checks. And so, I mean, they give everything is digital, whether it's through Venmo, if they're transacting with other people or whatever. So that's just, that's their culture. Yes, it is, right? Venmo is just how people give each other money these days. That's right. Um, and so um, the people that have adopted text giving, do you have any sense? Is it just the millennials and the young ones? Or are there people across the spectrum that actually are using this mode of giving at this point? Uh, it's across the spectrum. I, had, I was talking to a gentleman uh, just a few weeks ago, and he stopped me. He's my age. He has uh, teenage children, so he's a little younger than I am. But uh, but he stopped me and said, man, I just I needed to, to send in a payment for a youth camp and I used uh, Kindred for that, and it was so easy. And I, he got an immediate response back. We received your payment, blah, blah, blah. So uh, he was thrilled with it, and it just just makes life so much easier. And right, right. when you can take away the obstacles from people in giving, then they're going to give. Now, Kindred, I think their product is called Smart Giving, I think. Is that, what, is that the name of it? That's that's the uh, that's what they use. Yes. For. Is that the branding that you guys are using? Are you literally communicating Kindred and Smart Giving, or are you renaming it or changing it to something else that's um, you know um, Highland friendly or something like that? No, we uh, we'll use Smart Giving, but typically uh, when we do when we receive the offering uh, and during our weekend service, we'll put a little graphic on the lower third of the screens that has a, a picture of uh, of a smartphone. And it just says text give to, and then the number that they've designated for us. And uh, typically, uh, the folks that have done it before, they know what to do. They don't need to do give; they just give the amount. But for the first timers, they can they can just text the word give, and it will respond back to them, and, and they'll go, go through the easy setup process so that they can do it from then on. So 
Now, um, the average church in America is much smaller than yours, right? And they don't necessarily have all the resources. I, I can sense that there's probably a lot of church leaders here and pastors are saying, yeah, we, that's for big churches, etc. Can you talk about just how difficult or the process or the, even the time from start to end of the integration or setup? And, you know, what did that actually look like on a very practical basis? Were you consumed with it? Did you have a committee? You know, how, what was the process? I was actually very shocked at how simple it was. Uh, when we contacted Kindred to do this, they sent us graphics for our uh, for our worship folder, for our uh, digital uh, forms of communication. Uh, they gave us a script. They gave us everything that we really needed, and so we decided to use all of that. And, and in, in addition, uh, do the walkthrough video uh, for for rolling it out. And then we uh, put that in the form of an email and sent it to all of our uh, members uh, the, the following week uh, that had embedded in it the video of the, the walkthrough that we did uh, that previous weekend. So it's uh, they were very thorough. They're always helpful. Um, How long did the reach. process take, you think? Oh, uh, within a day we had it set up. And really? Yeah, it was it was not difficult at all. The interface to ACS was very simple. Our finance director was involved with that. Uh, she commented about how easy that was to set up. So uh, even small churches could do it that don't have uh, a large staff. Um, it doesn't take much time at all. I think the benefits far outweigh uh, the time that it takes to get it set up. I would encourage anybody to use it. Um, let's talk about some of the downsides. What has been, um, you know, I'm sure there's some pushback or some grumblings or something. What are some of the things that you've heard or that you felt or even the friction in any of the process? Um, well, with any kind of a change, there's always some resistance. Uh, we used our giving kiosks, for example, for a long time. Uh, to where people would walk into the lobby. Uh, as they're walking in, they're pulling out their credit card or their debit card, and they walk over and they slide it through. And, and any kind of change to that process uh, creates a little bit of confusion. And so for the first couple of weeks, we would have one of our first impressions folks standing over there by the kiosk to help people use the smart giving system at our kiosk. We really don't even need that anymore. But because people are accustomed to walking over to a stand, a kiosk, and giving that way, we've we've kept uh, iPads set up in the in the uh, lobbies for people to give that way. And slowly but surely, they're uh, they're adopting uh, the new system, and it really hasn't uh, caused much trouble other than that. It's just the resistance to change. So basically, the kiosks have been removed effectively from the system. Well, the old the old computers, the old Windows XP kiosks were. We we decided to keep a, a some form of a kiosk in the lobby, just for those that are used to seeing something. Until we can help them navigate. Okay, you can do this now on your cell phone. And so it's and, a mobile. I guess it's like an iPad with a stand or something like that that you have. Correct. Um, and is it just the mobile version of the giving form? I guess. Yeah, it's the same uh, version that we have uh, interfaced with our website now. So. Uh, everything, every form of digital giving goes through Kindred, Kindred now. So we benefit in that way because it all uh, feeds directly into our church management software. And there's only one thing that we have to interface with, and that is Kindred, and it's awesome. What about branding, uh, colors, and customization? What's your sense on uh, how much flexibility there is? Well, uh, very, very simple. Uh, we sent them our logo. We told them exactly how we wanted to set up. Uh, they showed us how we could change it. I mean, it's very, uh, the colors are, 
there's plenty of colors to choose from. So our webs, uh, our web portal, and all of that matches exactly what uh, what our branding is. So okay. very simple. That's, uh, so what would be the number one downside and what number one upside of this transition to smart giving with Kindred? Well, uh, the downside is just the resistance to change, particularly from the older older generation that uh, maybe have a a, um, a concern about well using their t their cell phone or maybe they don't even have a smartphone but they have a cell phone. So uh, you know that's probably the downside. The upside is is that it's all uh, integrated in every form of digital giving and. Uh, it's simple, and it's the type of technology people are younger generation are, are accustomed to using now. So, uh, so it makes it easier, far easier for them to give when they want to give, whether it's at home, whether it's whether they're sitting in the service, uh, you know, wh wherever they are, they can give, and so uh, it's really helped. Now, it's um, what I found very interesting that you know you surprised me earlier that you said that it lit up brand new first-time givers um, in your community. Um, and it's, it's interesting that just the, changing the mode of transaction will actually prompt someone to take that last step to do it. Um, I'm wondering, do you, I, I guess it is a little bit early, um, but do you anticipate that you will raise more money through the offering plate and this, all the giving solutions like this um, at the end of this year than you anticipated earlier? Or is it going to be, is it, just a, is it just a change of, mode of giving or is there something else going on you think no I think it's uh, I think it's just the ease of giving um, as a church last year we had uh, documented over 750 newcomers that, that that came to our church for the very first time and so uh, those are the types of people that uh, especially the younger generation um, if they want to give on impulse right there when we're doing it they can pull out their smartphone and, and do so um, they don't have to have their checkbook with them if they even have one uh, again we, we already talked about you know not everybody carries cash anymore so it's just it just makes it it's just an easier mode for people to use to give on the spot and uh, and I think that's uh, that's critical and that's where we'll see our growth is that you make it convenient people will use it and your preaching pastor really didn't have any concern that um, do you do you do your offering before and after before or after the sermon? We do it before. So, is there any concern from the preaching pastor that you're you're asking people to get take out their cell phones, um, and then you go into the sermon and they still you know like there's distraction. This thing is distracting. Um, is that a concern at all? Has that been? No, not at all. I mean, I'm the executive pastor and I use my smartphone to follow along. Uh, you know, when he he cites a scripture, I'm pulling it up in my Uversion app on my on my smartphone. So that's just uh, it's very uh, very typical to see that, and gotcha. okay. and that's just part of the culture of who we are. So I mean, if you're not if you're not comfortable with that, then you need to get comfortable <laughs> because it's going to happen. You want people in the Word, right? So uh, however they can get it is what you want to use. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Craig, are you ready for our lightning round of questions as we close out the interview? I'm absolutely ready. Okay, so the first question, especially as an executive pastor, you're looking, I'm sure, at leadership development all the time of yourself and your teams. Um, what's a good resource that you can share with our audience today that has caught your eye recently, whether it's a book or conference, a speaker, something that um, our audience today can partake in? Well, um, 
coming up in August is Willow Creek's Global Leadership Summit. And last year we were a host site for the Global Leadership Summit and it made a world of difference just for our staff as well as uh, anybody that considers himself a leader in our church. And so we're hosting that again and I would encourage anybody uh, to go to Willow Creek's website and, and navigate to, to their Global Leadership Summit site and find out where the host site is nearest to them. It's an awesome, awesome uh, summit. Uh, they have probably a dozen or so speakers. Uh, some are, are ministers, many are business leaders. They're well, well known. And so I would encourage uh, people to do that. That's what we've done. We also um, are, are go through a leadership book with our pastoral staff every week. Uh, we, we go through a chapter. We've gone through the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. We've gone through Cora Courageous Leadership by Bill Hybels. Uh, we're going through a book called Finishing Strong by Steve Farrar right now. And so, uh, it, yeah, those, uh, it, those types of uh, things are available to anybody. That's I would awesome. Think. That's a Great list of resources for anybody here to pick up if you haven't gotten those books, especially. Um, in terms of leadership and mentoring from afar, outside of Rural Creek, um, who do you have your eyes on in terms of learning from and soaking up from um, other ministries or other leaders of churches um, in, you know, in the ministry space? Um, uh, Rick Warren at uh, Saddleback is, uh, is, is somebody that we constantly go to. We send teams out there on a regular basis just to get a sense of uh, a bigger picture, to think outside the box uh, of what we, we typically get caught doing here uh, in our own little world. And so that's one. Uh, I read Dan Ryland's uh, blog uh, almost daily. Uh, he's executive pastor at 12 Stone Church. Yes. And, uh, and that's been a valuable resource for, for me personally that's awesome. uh, as an executive pastor. Awesome. That's the great resources. Thank you so much for sharing. And the last question is, if people here today are watching or listening and want to get in touch with you, what's the best method for them to do that? Uh, I would encourage people to email me. Uh, my email ad address is craigo at hpnas.org. So craigo at hpnas.org. Awesome. Thank you. This is Craig Olson from Highland Park Churches. It's been a pleasure talking to you and experiencing, uh, going through that experience of converting over to text giving. Really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your experiences today. Thanks, Kenny. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And in this next episode of the Generosity Labs podcast, we're going to interview another church leader that's going through a similar transition. And I think you'll be surprised in terms of the response and the results that they've gotten. I'm Kenny Jang, host of the Gener Generosity Labs podcast. Find out more details and resources at generositylabs.org. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. Don't forget to join us every week right here for the Generosity Labs podcast. In the meantime, visit www.generositylabs.org for more details and fantastic free resources for you and your church.